Ladies and gentlemen, grab your corkscrews. I'm Kent Garrison. I am Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barden. And this is Mad About Movies. You sound insane. Do you realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to podcast for all things cinema. Every week... We break down movie news, movie rumors, and movie rumblings, and break down a movie of the week. But don't worry if you haven't seen that particular movie, because we will give you a spoiler alert. And please stay tuned till the end of our show for weekly recommends, in which each of us suggests something that you need to check out ASAP. And remember, you can find all of our episodes on our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. This week's movie of the week is what, Brian Gill? This week we're going to be talking about Denzel Washington's The Equalizer. I think you can be anything you want to be. Change your world. I promised I would never go back to being that person. But when somebody does something unspeakable to someone you hardly knew, you do something about it. Because you can. So, if I'm not mistaken, fellas, this is the first Denzel Washington film that we have, uh, that we have discussed in full on the Mad About Movies podcast. I think you're right. That's kind of crazy. You would think that uh, we would have done one before now because he puts out a lot of movies. Well, our our taking of Pelham 123 was lost <laughs> in recording. It was. It, we recorded the episode. It's been lost. Uh, I'm still trying to find it on my many, many hard drives. Yeah. So if you're in in need of a Antoine Fisher podcast, <laughs> we've got you covered in the coming weeks. But So in the past few years, he's been busy, as you alluded to. Brian, uh, 2010's Unstoppable, 2012's Safe House, also 2012's Flight, which I believe we've discussed a little bit mm-hmm. on the show previously, and uh, 2013's Two Guns, which somehow passed us by last uh, end of summer movie season last year around this time. Yeah, something else must have come out that week. That, well, we uh, probably bumped it for the Spectacular Now, so... In hindsight, that was a good call. I mean, was it? No, that's exactly <laughs> why I said it was because it wasn't. Uh, no, I know. no I th- we either did that or Riddick or something at that time. So, Man, pretty last bad. Year sucked. <laughs> yeah, it, it's always fun to to look back at what you were excited about or what you ended up. Hey, yeah, we should do a podcast on that. And then a year <laughs> later, it's just like, what were we even? thinking about at that time what was how bad was our lives if that sounded really exciting to, to do hey time. look riddick is still the best power man 5000 video i've seen in <laughs> a, a solid decade it is it's the most yellow movie i've seen uh, in, a de- in a decade at least so that, whoever that edited that should be tested for jaundice <laughs> <laughs> seriously yeah maybe he's been wearing like those orange ski goggles that just make all your vision one color and you don't really realize it until you take them off maybe that was a thing in the late 90s was orange goggles that was an actual fashion accessory for a while it i I don't i don't know where i I don't know where to go from that i just want to acknowledge that that as a society we agreed on that being cool for a brief amount of time (laughs) i remember the guy from shasta mcnasty wore them no no i take that back seth green wore them in can't hardly wait so that means it's that means it's cool right he was the cool kid in that movie yeah (laughs) definitely special (laughs) guy oh jeez wow right you're suspended from the podcast for dude i freaking love can't hardly wait that's a masterpiece it was good 
Ethan Embry's career really took off, <laughs> as did uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. So. Yeah. The girl that's done best from that's probably the redhead that was on Six Feet Under. <laughs> yeah. Ambrose or whatever. I see her from Lord time to time. Ambrose, yeah. Yeah. She is. She was a voice and in Where the Wild Things Are, so things are going the, well. Yep. And Twilight Guy was in that as like the yeah. jock. Yeah. Twilight Guy. Oh, him? The dad. The dad the- from Twilight is the jock in Can't Hardly Wait. I watched that movie recently with a group of kids, like uh, high school seniors and stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, I broke that knowledge out, and it it blew their minds that the uh, the high school jock was now the the old man dad uh, in uh, Twilight. That blew my mind because I still thought of him <laughs> as like a like Sean Williams. If Sean William Scott played a dad to a bunch right. of twenty five year olds, I'd be yeah. like weirded out. <laughs> Nothing says a nineties movie like a Ethan Embry. Charlie Corsmo combo <laughs> in there. Man, good times. Oh, man. I miss what's me the... Charlie Corsmo too. He needs to make a comeback. Yeah, too. what's he doing these days? He's like a oh, let's see what his last film was. No, no, he's still acting, I think. Oh, is something. he? I think oh, so. Okay. Yeah. Usually uh, I just no, assume You're right. Can't hardly wait was his last movie. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. I I assume guys like that that they've cuz he went I I'm pretty sure he was he went to like Harvard or MIT or something like that. You're right. That. He went to uh Canada, I know a lot about Canada, Canada Law Institute so. and he is okay. an actual Boom. lawyer. How Look did you know that. that? I may have looked Can't it up ha- recently. <laughs> I'm not that's I mean, I I don't remember that I looked it up, but it seems something like something I would If done. somebody comes to you in the street, puts a gun to your head and says <laughs> What is Charlie Cosmo's <laughs> latest occupation? Yeah, I'm a lawyer. Safe. I'm good. Yeah. Dang it. Good to go. You can't can't stop me. I can't shoot that- you. <laughs> if Chunk I ever from did- the Goonies is also a lawyer, a, a, a well respected lawyer, if I might add. Well, he can't be that well respected because at some point people realize he was Chunk from the Goonies. <laughs> at some point in in every uh, debate and courthouse uh, decision, he's been like, "Hey." Do the truffle shuffle. Yeah. <laughs> There's not a day in his life that's gone by where somebody hasn't said, hey, hey, do the truffle shuffle. <laughs> oh, oh, that movie is one Andrew Keegan appearance away from being the ultimate 90s movie. <laughs> yeah. You're right. If, Here's some trivia. What's Andrew Keegan up to these days? I, I also know this. I yeah, so know. do I. Kent, do you know this? I don't. No, I don't. Ryan, I'll let you have the honor. He is the leader of a cult, basically. <laughs> he's like got a. Uh, he's basically created his own religion, and he's the uh, the founder and leader of that uh, that their religion. So he seems like such a chill dude. <laughs> or yeah, it's it's totally not bad at all for kids to be superstars <laughs> at a young age. That never never damages them whatsoever. I think Leif Garrett's doing. <laughs> <laughs> Three in a row, baby. Yes. Leif Garrett uh, probably is doing really well. That's the ultimate streak of Leif Garrett references on a podcast. (laughs) I just broke the record. You did it three weeks in a row, I think. Yeah. This will be calling us anytime now. (laughs) I'm not even mad. That's actually impressive. Yeah, look. It it was organic every time. I didn't force it. That's what I'm most proud of, you know? (laughs) I didn't butt my way to my 3,000th hit. I I got it organically. That's right. It is... Joseph Mazzello, who I was thinking of, who's still acting, uh, the kid yeah, from yeah. Jurassic he's, Park. He's gotten, uh, he's been doing stuff lately. He, uh, let's see, what was it that he we was saw on um, Justified recently? Yeah, yeah, good on Justified. He was in uh, the Pacific, the the Pacific, Band of yes. Also, David Fincher's The Social Network in 2010. Yes, there it is. Yeah, and I follow him on Twitter randomly. He's he's not a bad tweeter. He's not a bad actor. 
Yeah, it's a pretty impressive. I piece. think this should be a neat <laughs> sub sub podcast. We could do like a spinoff. <laughs> we just name random actors Where from the nineties, and are like, well, "What's that I mean, guy up to?" And then we Google it and record it and discuss it. <laughs> I'm down. Great. I would think people would uh, would send us in recommendations. People would get into that. I, w- I would bet. Yeah, people who lazy- can't use Google apparently the laziest <laughs> people ever. It's like how Corey always texts me for song lyrics. <laughs> Jeez. Incredible. Uh, anyway, so Denzel. Those are hard to find, to be fair. Probably the most, there. the weirdest Denzel tangent of all time. We started Denzel, end up at Joseph Mazzello from uh, Jurassic Park. Now we just got to tie so. Kevin Bacon into this. <laughs> we got it. We got it. He, uh, Joseph Mazzello was in The River Wild with ah, Kevin Bacon. Done. So. Boom. It is true. <laughs> it is. So, looking forward to talking Denzel with you guys. I uh, haven't done it before in the past in depth. Uh, good excuse to talk about him this week. Not a lot has come out. Uh, this movie led the box office with $35 million, I believe. And I think the Maze Runner is still doing quite well, too, at the box office. So, Denzel talk will be great. And it's always good, guys, to talk a little bit of Chloe Grace Moretz. So excited about that one. The patron saint of this podcast. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, But before we do that, guys, let's talk a little bit of movie news, rumors, and rumblings. Movie news, rumors, and rumblings. That's awesome. Let the filibustering begin. Richard, the movie world is a buzz this week. A buzz. The Twitter sphere is sphering. Yesterday, a bomb was dropped on the movie world, uh, something we've all been anticipating for a long time. Us on this podcast, anticipating it. Listeners, movie lovers alike. Exciting stuff. The debut of Paul Thomas Anderson's Inherent Vice trailer dropped yesterday on the world. Really, uh, like I said, highly anticipated. So we're going to go around and give our first impressions of the trailer. Richard, what was your expectations for it? Uh, once again, I think we've mentioned on the show, you've read the book. You are probably anticipating this the most this year, probably your number one, if I was to make a guess at that. So, uh, uh how yeah. did this make lead up to your high expectations? This is a book, you know, like a lot of things that, uh, like most novels when they're adapted, um, that c- could be, uh, done as a 12 hour miniseries and still be entertaining. There's just so much, um, material, and Pinchon puts so much detail into this kind of this world he creates in this kind of fake Southern California uh, make-believe land called Gordita Beach. And uh, so, I, you know, I, I was really kind of looking not so much for clips in the trailer, but just kind of that general spirit to see if they, um, you know, can go either way with someone like Paul Thomas Anderson, who's, who's such a visionary in his own right. Um, you could see this going in a way where he he's the only one that truly understands the spirit and makes like a perfect adaptation, or you could see him kind of spinning it off into his own thing, uh, which wouldn't necessarily be bad either. Cause if anyone's going to do that, he's certainly someone I would trust to do that. Uh, but I think he would just really nailed the spirit of the book, even in that trailer. If it was just that trailer and no movie ever came out, I'd be, I'd be kind of fine with it. It's a really good book. It's a really cool little mystery, um, kind of noirish beach bum story. Um, and I think, Joaquin is is the only actor to play that part, and I'm so excited to see what he does with it. And I think he's really peaking right now as an actor, so it's really fun to watch him at this time where he's just crazy enough, but not too crazy. He will definitely kind of go the other end and probably wear a bunch of 
kerchiefs like Johnny Depp in a few years. But right now he's kind of in his sweet spot. So that's that's good. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really excited for the supporting cast in this. It's it's fun to watch Owen Wilson do good things, and we don't get to see that very often. And so uh, I'm I'm really psyched. I I have I give the trailer an A plus. It looks really fun, and and uh, it's going to be fun to watch. I mean, this will probably be as true of a comedy. Although Boogie Nights and Punch Drunk Love and a few and Magnolia even had some funny moments. This will be as true of a comedy as as PTA's done. Um, but it looks like he's really just embracing that and letting this kind of be a wild ride. So I'm psyched. I'm really pumped. I, I told you guys this was one to look out for. Obviously, it's a PTA movie, so it's not like you guys were oblivious to it. But this is going to be a big deal. I'm I'm super stoked. Yeah, it was a lot more fun than I had anticipated. And, I mean, it piqued my interest even more than it was already piqued. Just to see just a glimpse of the direction they're going with this is mm-hmm. extremely exciting. Sort of to me, just the trailer alone had the sort of the tone of Wes Anderson, especially yeah. when Owen Wilson showed up, uh, just with the narration and everything. It, it seemed mm-hmm. like a, a, a Coen Brothers, Wes Anderson, like mm-hmm. something that they collaborated on or something. But uh, really exciting for me just to see the trailer. And, you know, you can already mark this down for uh, cinematography, uh, production design, costuming. And I'm sure hair and makeup design and all that for the Oscars. This is going to be a big player in those categories. And, and, and you know, we, we haven't really gotten reviews of it yet. I, I believe the New York Film Festival had the premiere a couple it, weeks ago or I, something. It actually premieres this coming Saturday. Does the it? New York Film Festival is really long. Okay. It's like a month long. And so I think it closes it down. I believe. I could be wrong. I think it closes it down this Saturday. So I don't think anyone's seen the, the movie yet. Okay. Right on. I knew I knew it premiered there. I just didn't yeah. know if, if we had passed yeah. that date. I've been kind of monitoring it. Okay. Birdman is obviously highly anticipated mm-hmm. and is getting fantastic reviews. People are are raving about Mr. Michael Keaton's resurgence, which I'm extremely excited for as well. And Definitely. and uh, Foxcatcher has gotten good reviews as well as Gone Girl, which uh, which debuts or comes out in wide release this I'm going, weekend. I'm going Thursday night. Really. It's exciting. I, I love me some Fincher, so yeah. I'm I'm excited for that one uh, too. But Brian, what did you think of this inherent vice trailer? General thoughts, anticipation type stuff. Yeah, well, I literally just watched it while Richard was talking. I turned my <laughs> mic off and watched it because I had I just haven't had time, uh, and it I can't say anything that either of you guys haven't already said. It looks it looks awesome. It looks very Coney, which I love. But I'm excited to see Joaquin Phoenix get to do something where. He's a different kind of haunted individual, you know, like kind of show his range a little bit because clearly that guy is messed up, but he's not going to – it's not the same kind of messed up as the yeah. master or her or whatever. He's uh, very it, much – I mean at least in the book, he, he's very much like the dude in Lebowski except yeah. that he is a private detective on purpose. Sure. So it doesn't yeah. have that sort of accidental thing that the, the mm-hmm. you know, that the dude does, but it, other than that, they're very similar. Yeah. Well, I, I'm stoked. It, it had a definitely has a Coen Brothers feel to it, which I'm obviously all in on. The cast is fantastic. Like as I was watching that trailer, you know, every I was probably a minute and a half in before Martin Short showed up, and I was like, "Oh yeah, Marty Short's in this." I forgot. And I wonder, Richard, are you more excited about him or uh, or Eric Roberts? Because I know you're a big Eric Roberts I do love, fan. I do, I love Eric Roberts. I think Eric <laughs> Roberts. Every great director should put Eric Roberts in their movie just because it's funny. Yeah, because he's so like. He's just like tacky looking. And mm-hmm. so when you put him against like a really 
well-made movie. There's something just interesting about it, like The Dark Knight or something yeah. like that. He's kind of like the low-rent version of uh, of Spader in a yeah. weird way. Like he has that kind of persona where you're like, you're into some weird stuff, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Like you just you just know. Uh, no, it looks great. I'm I'm very excited, very excited, much more than I was before, and just because I didn't know anything about it beyond yeah. you know who's involved and and that sort of thing. I'm excited just- for um, for him as as well as. Uh, Maya Rudolph makes an appearance in the movie, sure. as well as one of our favorites in the podcast, Mister Anders Holm from uh, from Workaholics, also in, in uh, Inherent Vice. So, yeah, the uh, cast is really interesting. Very diverse cast here. Yeah, a very I, comic cast. Right. Aside from Phoenix, I mean, pretty much everyone else in it. Uh, I guess aside from Reese Witherspoon and, and and Joaquin Phoenix is known almost predominantly for comedic work. So that's going to be. I mean, and he does. I mean, this is someone that's cast Adam Sandler in a dramatic role, so it doesn't mean it's going to be a, a romp completely. But right, uh, it's going to be funny. It really is going to be funny. <laughs> Excuse me, Jillian Bell, also we, who we saw in Twenty Two Jump Street, also in uh, Inherent Vice, too. So uh, highly anticipated. It it, it comes out uh, January 9th, twenty fifteen, in wide release. I'm assuming uh, around Christmas time for limited release. Yeah. So. One more thing I want to say about it is I just love the poster design, title design in the trailer. Yes, it's really it's similar. If you, if you look up, if you look at the book, it has the exact same title design. Really? Um, yeah. So that's kind of cool. They really stuck to that. The weird kind of neon lights. Yeah. You know, that's that's what the book looks like too. So they really pretty much stuck to the aesthetic of the of the book, which is kind of cool. Um, which wasn't the case in the original poster. That original one you sent me a few months yeah, ago. Yeah, I think that remember? was just a mock-up. Like somebody just yeah. did that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, they really stuck with the uh, – so I'm yeah, I'm excited. One thing on that though, uh, Kit and Brian, to answer your question, um, I'm, I'm most excited for Martin Short and we should say North American Treasure yeah. Martin Short. Yeah. We, we, we aired there. Correction. Right. Yeah, we'll Absolutely. edit that in post. <laughs> yes. So I can't believe he doesn't have that on the poster. Should say that <laughs> <laughs> we can we can write a petition for it. Uh, so yeah, just really iconic movie poster. Uh, yeah, just wanted great. to say that. Go look that up if you uh, haven't seen it. Such a lost yet. art too. And it is. It looks, good to see that. I would expect nothing less from Mister Mister PTA. So yep. and and it will be like I said in in heavy competition with some other films coming out later this fall. So should we, should, I think we've kind of got, it's kind of honing in on, on the, on like the big five contenders. We're starting to kind of see mm-hmm. uh, what that'll be, but uh, we'll see who gets hot at the right time. It yeah. becomes like playoff hockey. Exactly. And um, in a little bit of TV news, we should discuss guys this past bad week. Judge, bad judge talk. Here it comes. That's going to have to wait. We're going to have to what? break that down. But I watched the pilot. I haven't watched it yet, so we're going to have to wait for that but until I watch it. But a judge that doesn't care about rules. <laughs> How many more movies, TV shows are we going to have to get with the word bad in front of them? Yeah. I mean, is that just every pitch nowadays? I'm going to write one just called bad TV show. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Richard. <laughs> it's just annoying. It's just they yeah. did one bad teacher last year that didn't work. Bad yep. grandpa. Remember that movie that last even had year? Had future American treasure David Allen Greer in it and it didn't work. Mm. Mm. Like what many things, doing, unfortunately. On, <laughs> yeah. No, I know. Dag deserves better. We should yeah. be his agents. We should take on Alec Baldwin, Keith Olbermann, and <laughs> Dag. Over under on the chances of getting Dag on the podcast. I would say over ninety eight percent. If we emailed his publicist and said, 
hundred percent, no joke. We are the biggest DAG fans <laughs> in America. Like you're not going to find bigger David Allen Greer fans <laughs> probably in America. Best. Anyone that doesn't, you should. Everyone oh, yeah. should familiarize themselves with the work of DAG because he's he's the man. He Especially is. his theater work because like he's like really well respected, and then we all just think of him as that guy from Jumanji. Yeah, blank man, <laughs> the cop from Jumanji. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Carl, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, yeah. Carl the Carl the cop. <laughs> wow. But anyway, a little bit of TV news we should discuss. This past weekend was the premiere of season 40 of Saturday Night Live, and we got uh, Chris Pratt hosting the show. Have uh, either of you gotten a chance to watch it, or did you watch it live? You know, this is probably the longest I've ever gone without seeing the SNL pilot yet. I've you seen like one it. sketch. I saw the. Uh, I saw the NFL player introduction sketch, but I haven't I haven't watched it yet. I need to. So I, I'm terribly unprepared for the segment is what I'm saying in this. Brian, I guess I'm guessing it's pretty far back on your TiVo as well. <laughs> yeah. <I'm>, look, <laughs> I just finished Battlestar Galactica yesterday. <laughs> I was trying to power through four seasons yeah. before it went off Netflix today. And so uh so I did that. So I, I'm like way behind on everything. My DVR is stacked full. I watched two bits from SNL that somebody Somebody sent to me the Pete Davidson bit on uh, <clears throat> on Weekend Update and then the Marvel commercial bit. So I've seen yeah. those two things. The Pete Davidson bit was hilarious, wildly inappropriate, but but very funny. Yeah, so that was that was good. He he kind of looks like if Andy Samberg had a child with a goat. So <laughs> it's kind of odd. But, he's uh, no Brooks Whelan though. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, rest in peace, Brooks Whelan uh, career. Anyway, anyway, yeah. yeah uh, I, I'll get to it. I heard conflicting things. Like people were buzzing about it, so that's always good because I feel like last year no one even talked about Saturday Night Live. So that's good. But uh, a couple of friends who watched it from from front to back said uh, not not so great. So I don't know. Kent, did you watch it? I thought it was fine. Um, Chris Pratt did fantastic. Really, really impressed with him as a host. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, I think the Marvel skit was probably the best one, Brian. Mm-hmm. So they did a little digital short playing off Guardians of the Galaxy where they said, now that Guardians of the Galaxy is the highest grossing movie of the year, Marvel can't do any wrong. Yeah. And then they started just making up these random movies. Shopping uh, carts. Yeah. Shopping cart. Yeah, just playing, like, sort of spoofing the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer where they're all walking through the ship. That really yeah. iconic shot from the trailer. Uh, with hooked really on a feeling playing. With hooked on a feeling playing on, like, ten different ones. Yeah, they did shopping carts, and they did uh, Marvel's Pam. And it's just, like, a normal <laughs> soccer mom like, walking yeah, to yeah. <laughs> greatness. But, no, that one was good. I just wanted to get y'all's thoughts on the on the new cast members, uh, Pete Davidson and Michael Che, who is now the new Weekend Update anchor. So mm-hmm. I, if y'all haven't seen it, then uh, I'm beating a dead horse. I here, haven't seen but it, but I did see Michael Che. I I watched the Seth Meyers show for the first time since the first like two weeks oh, uh, yeah. last night, and he was the first guest. And uh, you know he was funny, but he was he he literally was Dave Chappelle. And I know. Oh, I come, yeah. No, wait till I you come watch off it. So racist because I know they're both African American. I know that sounds super racist, but it's not because they're both African American. Like he was doing every Dave Chappelle mannerism, and like not <laughs> not big ones for like the Chappelle Show, but just like conversational Chappelle. Uh huh. But not funny. Not as funny. He's funny, but I mean, who's funny? No one's funnier than Dave Chappelle. Like Dave Chappelle's like the most naturally funny person that's maybe ever lived. But I mean, Dane Cook maybe. But after that. <laughs> okay, you're right. After Dane Cook, and then. You're right. 
But uh, and Kevin James, <laughs> yeah. So I, that's all I know of him, and I know he wrote on Daily Show too, um, or was on Daily Show or something. But uh, yeah, we'll have to see. I'll, I'll check out updates. You know, that's the heart of the show. Yeah. When that works, the rest of the show works, and so uh, we'll figure that. They they need to figure that out because I, I like Cicely Strong a lot, but she just wasn't a good fit. So yeah, yeah, and, and it felt like they forced her into every other sketch now. So yeah. it's like, okay, you're not going to do Weekend Update. Well, you're going to have a part in every single mm-hmm. sketch and a very small one at that. It's just Ugh. they're trying to use her. They do, really don't want to, but they don't have any girls. So yeah. I, yeah, I can't it, see her being there for too much longer, honestly. Really? Hmm. I don't. Okay. Yeah, the one that I don't get is like, you know, we've talked about Melissa McCarthy a lot on the show. Doesn't A.D. Bryant just seem like she's doing a yes. – a, a Melissa McCarthy impression yes. of Melissa McCarthy doing a Chris Farley impression. Yeah, she does one thing. It's, yeah, it's the like not, not a versatile fake, performer. That's like fake outrage, sure. and then what? Yeah. you know, and then yeah. everyone giggles. I don't know. I, Maybe I, I think been, I'm officially old. Where like I'm, <laughs> I do, like I don't get that on SNL. I think maybe that. I'm no, I, I think that's fair because I I think I mean we we talk about SNL all the time. They're they're in. It's a phase that they'll get through because they oh, yeah. always do. But but the the writing – the performers are all fairly young and fairly inexperienced at this point. They don't have a star to kind of center the whole thing. And so you're going to get – I think this year is going to be another one where the writing is probably going to be pretty spotty at best. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have a lot of – you're going to have a lot of sketches that – Maybe were a good idea somewhere, but they don't fully flesh out, and they're just going to devolve into uh, you know crassness, which is you know there's a place for that. It's not the end of the world, but I don't think this. I, I would say it's fair to it's fair to bet that this is not going to be a particularly great no. season. No, I think it, their goal should be, and I think is to be better than last year, and then yes. just kind of grow. You know, it's like sports. I mean, it really is like sports. You you grow the farm yeah. system, and all of a sudden, you've got a pretty good team. Yeah, I, you know, I found a little interesting thing out in a book I was reading. I think I recommended it a few weeks ago. The Poking the Dead Frog book, uh-huh. the book, the interviews with comedy writers. Um, there's a really great interview in there early in the book with Jim Downey. Do you guys know who Jim Downey is? Yeah. Okay, so Jim Downey to uh, our listeners who aren't huge nerds, um, Jim Downey is uh, was an SNL writer pretty much since the inception forever, uh, with a few breaks here or there. But he, you know, he's he's written on their effort. He's done most of the political satire. Um, he, in a lot of ways, for many years, is the voice of Saturday Night Live, and uh, he appears in sketches from time to time. But whatever, I didn't know in reading the interview with him that he retired before last season. Yeah, and I, and I was like, "Oh, that's why all the writing sense. sucks." Yep. Yep. <laughs> and, and, uh, you lost him. You lost any connection to Mulaney, and then yeah. Myers left halfway through the year. And and exactly. it's fair to say he wasn't doing just a whole lot of writing the time that he was there, anyway. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. And so that with you're right with him and Mulaney leaving, I was like, no, I mean, I I felt proud of myself because I definitely noticed something was different, but I didn't yeah. put my finger on it. And now I was like, oh, yep, Jim Downey's yeah. gone. That's that's yeah. It. I I think they're just. Like we've said before, this this happens all the time on the show. In forty years, it's going to ebb and flow. The <laughs> difference is right now they don't have a a star presence to kind of bring everything together. Yeah. I think they we thought, thought that, Killam was going to be that. But he's uh, we not. we did, but he's not. And McKinnon, Kate McKinnon, is a really good performer, mm-hmm. but she's she's kind of off putting. Just honestly, just like in the way she looks, and so. Yeah. It's hard to really buy into her the way that you would a Will Ferrell or a Kristen Wiig or yeah. a Hater, you know, or something like that. It's, so he's got uh, Taron Killam is more 
we thought it was Will Ferrell and you know, you might just yes. be Mark McKinney <laughs> or yeah. something like that. Like yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, it's been weird. I don't know if it, but maybe if he had better writing, he would be right. Right. Everything. But I, I don't know. You know who's it's, a major disappointment is, is Bobby Moynihan. Cause that yeah. guy, I don't think he could be the focus of the show the way a Ferrell could or somebody like that, but he could definitely be the second banana, you know, or, or the, um, uh, <laughs> crap. What's the, uh, Chris Parnell. I don't know why I couldn't pull that yeah. out. Like the Parnell character, but he, he completely disappeared last year. And they, I think they desperately needed that kind of wacky zany focus that he, he brings. And he just didn't, well, he, he wasn't does that there. Other animated show that he's like, yeah. Really into. You wonder, and that got it, canceled. It got so canceled. Chosen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. But what are we going to, where am I going to get my <laughs> Nick Swarsden fix? Oh Lord. Um, I don't know, Richard, but good luck with that if you require a nick swartzen fix don't worry about uh, it yeah yeah i'm gonna have to rewatch bucky larson (laughs) over and over again guys i pulled that without googling and i my my brain was working so hard harder than when i took the sats trying to pull that name (laughs) so the the actual cast of snl is as follows this is the the full full full-time cast vanessa bayer A.D. Yeah. Bryant, Taryn Killam, Kate McKinnon, Bobby Moynihan, Jay Farrow, Cecily Strong, and Keenan Thompson. So that's so Keenan stick is he is he around? Is yeah. That, yeah. So okay. so the deal is Keenan is 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 coming or staying through this year. Okay. And he was supposed to leave last year, but they basically begged him to stay <laughs> because need somebody. they lost so yeah. many people the year prior with Sudeikis and Armisen leaving and mm-hmm. and Myers and everything. So they really needed Keenan to stay, and uh, it's going to be sad to see him go. I just wanted to get y'all's thoughts on, on his departure. Uh, that was made public this past week before the premiere of, of season uh, 40. Um, like in a lot of ways, like, like Daryl Hammond, in that he's such a brilliant and great sketch performer. And I, I really think that's all he can do. do. I don't, I don't yeah. really see, I mean, I, you know, maybe, you know, there's this new kind of generation where people from SNL, instead of going to do films, go and do sitcoms. And if he got yeah. on the right sitcom, he might be great. Um, but he's such a great sketch performer and, uh, such a pure, like original sketch performer. Cause he's been doing it since like he was a zygote, um, that it sucks because it's like, like Daryl Hammond, it was a bummer when he left SNL, even though he wasn't doing his best work anymore. Because you're like, well, I will never see him again. Because you just, right. that's what he does. Like, it's not like I'm going to go see him in a, in a uh, Woody Allen movie next week or something. So, uh, that, that is kind of a bummer. But, uh, you know, like, the more I think about it, maybe sitcom would be an okay place for him. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I and we have, I've been watching Keenan do this since I was. <laughs> yeah sub 10 years old i mean since honestly he was knuckle pucking since uh, yeah <laughs> since he was knuckle pucking and uh and you know serving peas uh in the line and on all on all that but i mean this guy has been doing sketch comedy his whole life it's all he knows uh, other than a fat albert uh live action film that worked <laughs> out really great just kick-started his whole movie career um but Maybe he'll get a Jean Valjean uh, spinoff movie. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully. No, this is a this is a guy that you know. Seriously, we've we've grown up on, and and it was just so natural for him to move to SNL after his Nickelodeon days were over, and and 
it's sad to see him go. I mean, he this guy is the oldest member of the cast right now, or most tenured That's member right. of the cast. It makes me feel so old. So that that is crazy <laughs> to think about, and uh, and it's, t- it's just time for for the young young cast to step up. Uh, featured players is Beck Bennett, Michael Che, Pete Davidson, Colin Jost, Kyle Mooney, and Sashir Zamata. So Pete Davidson knew. He's probably the person people talked about the most. Uh, he's a really well-known stand-up comic uh, in in New York, and has has really made a name for himself doing stand-up comedy. He's the youngest cast member hired, I think. Youngest since, since cast Eddie. member uh, since then, right, maybe since uh, what's his name, Anthony Michael Hall was seventeen. Oh, was uh, he? Yeah, he was after Eddie, right? Yeah, yes, because he yeah. was in the War Michaels, the but second War. Michaels he era. is the okay. first SNL cast member to have born in the nineteen to have been born in the nineteen nineties. Oh. Uh, just twenty years old. Good for him, Pete Davidson. Jeez. So up and comer, really look out for him. He made a made quite a name for himself this past weekend. Not a good thing though for like a Beck Bennett if you're the second year featured player. Not not at all. It's yeah. Tough. Like I think he could have backup quarterback. I think he could it? have sort of a role like Sudeikis had, or you made a, the Parnell reference, or Daryl Hammond, or something. He's just not that versatile. Yeah, he doesn't do all the all the impressions that Bill Hader could do, or yeah. even even Will Forte or something. He just doesn't have the versatility. <laughs> He's very one dimensional uh, comedian. Forte but, could yeah. always just out weird everybody and yeah. get on the show. And they're, they're, they miss that too. Like their yeah. late sketches aren't even goofy anymore. You used yeah. to always be able to count on like a super weird Will Forte sketch <laughs> late in the show. People talk about the '90s being the the peak SNL, Mm-mm. but for me personally, I think the mid to late 2000s was the absolute I, peak. When when Farrell was sort of on his way out, uh, they still had Rachel Dratch was still there, Horatio was still doing stuff, but they Amy. they also had Amy and Tina. And they had uh, Will Forte, Bill Hader there as well. Sudeikis just came and Armisen just came. I mean, that was just – that was a crazy cast. In just fairness, to look back. we're all in our late 20s. And that, that's a yeah. super – but that's like the cast that you know. No, I, I fully remember watching the 90s no, SNL. Me too. I mean, Trust I remember me. all that. I've seen I just, all. But I think you, you tend to – your humor tends to go to the people that are you know in it when you're in your early early 20s. So – but I agree with you. I think that's that's my favorite cast ever. Certainly, I just think it was the deepest. There were so many good people on it, and uh, and then Forte doing Forte things always good, always good. Any word on his sitcom? Yeah, it's. I know it's getting really good buzz, and I know uh, the Twenty One Jump Street guys are directing the first couple. Uh, but I think it's like a January release. I think they're doing it mid season, which on Fox is not that weird, right? Because I think yeah. Girl was one of those too. You're right. Yeah. I was just wondering. I didn't see it on the schedule for this fall, so I was just wondering what the progress of that was. So, once He's got again, an insane beard for it. I can tell you that. Yeah, much. he looks awesome. He does. <laughs> uh, once again, I will tease our Rants and Raves 2014 TV Pilots episode, which is coming up uh, in the next couple weeks, in which we watch every single pilot and we sort of predict uh, whether it's going to live or die, and we'll of course go over last year's list just to see and remind ourselves uh what shows premiered last year and if we still love on. lists we are we are a list show lists are great hey buzzfeed has made quite the penny off lists so <laughs> anything we can do to replicate buzzfeed <laughs> is what we're gonna do <laughs> dadgummit the height of journalism and on that note guys let's move on and let's talk 
the equalizer. He didn't take out five pimps. He took out the East Coast hub of the Russian mafia. A man with his skill. I want to know who he really is. He won't stop until he kills you and anyone you care about. I'm going to let one of y'all kick it off this week. I spun my little wheel of destiny over here, and the arrow landed on Brian Gill. Oh, yeah. So, Brian, please break down general thoughts, and we're going to save likes and dislikes and spoilers for a little bit later in this review. But, Brian, give me your Denzel thoughts and uh, just general thoughts on your first impressions of The Equalizer. I love Denzel. I think he's one of the – well, I don't think. he He's – He's one of the very few movie stars that are left in the world. He draws better than better than almost anybody at this point, uh, at least domestically. Uh, he, you know, this movie made thirty five million dollars opening weekend with the very limited is uh, produ- I mean, uh, marketing campaign on it. Sorry, stuttering there. Uh, like my wife had no idea what this movie was. Like I told her I was going to see the Equalizer, and she was like, "I have no idea what you're talking about." So I don't think it was marketed all that well because it didn't have to be. Uh, the dude draws. I think he is a supremely talented actor who I always in- enjoy the movies he's in to a, like a certain extent, but I think he I, – I, I think he almost like he panders to his audience or – just maybe it's just that he's he's won his Oscar. He's done a lot of work. He had to he had to do a, a significant amount of work to become the name that he is, uh, and to kind of break through. I, let's just be honest: to break through racial barriers to be the movie star that he is. And I think maybe all that work he's gotten to a point now where it's just easier to cash fifteen million dollar checks once or twice a year and not worry so much about the product because I think he settles for not necessarily bad movies, but movies that just, it's like you're just doing, you're just, he's just doing the same thing over and over again at this point. And I haven't seen him stretch himself in a really long time. I, I can't think of the last movie that he was in where I was like, yeah, okay, that's a, that's a role that not anybody could have done, uh, which is what most of these movies lately have been like uh, anybody could play the lead in this movie just about anybody could play the guy in safe house or uh unstoppable or whatever flight you know he i I think he got an oscar nomination for that if i'm not incorrect maybe i'll have to look that up but flight at least makes sense yeah he was nominated so that there's that but i just i personally hate that movie so so maybe it's that but it's been a while since he's really done something where you're like okay that is up to the the standard of how good of an actor he is. So with all that to say, I, like I said, I think the equalizer falls into that same category with all these movies where it's just like, it's, it's fine. It's passable entertainment. I'm, I didn't come out, you know, all that angry or anything, but it's not, uh, I just would like to see him do something that is worth his time. I'd like to see him go back to, I don't, you know, American Gangster's a pretty decent movie, but I know there's a lot of film critics that hate that film. Inside Man was very interesting, so something like that, or you know, Training Day or The Hurricane. You know, there are some movies that he did that uh, really pushed the envelope and made his, I think, made his legacy what it is, and now it just kind of feels like he's cashing checks uh, on the back end. So, 
you know, it this just fits right in with any of these other movies that you want to pull out of a hat that are Denzel movies that are going to make bank and they're going to be acceptable to critics for the most part, but they're never going to be it's never something that you're going to remember. Uh and that's that's a disappointment, I think. Sure. I feel the same way, man. It feels like he's taking a break from doing anything that requires him to be more than just Denzel to yeah. show up and be Denzel. And, yeah. and that's no knock on him because if I can just show up and be Kent and get paid bukus of millions of dollars to do that, I would do mm-hmm. that all day. Yeah. Uh, I would, I would really like to see him do something more that has more performance potential than yeah. this had. And uh, I think that day is coming. I just wonder how many roles he gets offered that are those types of roles that, mm-hmm. you know, I wonder if David That's O. Fair. Russell is knocking down his door to give him roles yeah. that he turns down. I just, I don't know if he doesn't get those offers. Mm-hmm. I just, it's just really confusing that he doesn't do one of those types of films every four years or so. Yeah. yeah you, think. He, you know, what's interesting and I'm, I, I hadn't really thought of this, but it, it may just be that he doesn't, he doesn't feel comfortable or maybe it's an ego thing. I don't know. Everything I've ever heard about Denzel is that he is a truly genuinely nice human being. So I, I don't want to you know, call him out or anything like that. He doesn't do ensemble work. And, and so that, that may be something where like you're saying a David O. Russell, he would fit great in a David O. Russell film, but that requires you to work with seven or eight other actors and really share screen time. And he doesn't do that. Well, he it's, shared with John Travolta. <laughs> sure it's the it's the one it's the one and it's him and plus one you know it's yeah. it's two guns with mark Wahlberg. it's safe house with ryan reynolds it's uh american yeah. gangster with russell crowe you know he doesn't do films that require that that put him in any sort of a supporting uh or or that you question whether or not who's the lead of this film. The lead is Denzel Washington. It always, he always is the lead. There's no ever yeah. since, uh, since glory really when he, which he got an, you know, an Oscar for, uh, or yeah, I think he did. I think he, right. He got his Oscar, ugh, Oscar for that. Uh, so yeah, to your point, Kent, sorry to interrupt you there. Like he doesn't do that kind of movie, which is probably something that he, he should do. He should throw that into the repertoire every once in a while. I got to say, though, and I mean, that is a little pet peeve of mine because I love Denzel. I just like to see him do more mm-hmm. uh, artsy stuff. I mean, art house type cinema stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he seems to go for these sort of mainstream thrillers now. Yeah. That's sort of his, his forte at this point. Him and him and Liam Neeson are sort of on the same trajectory <laughs> right now yeah. as far as what they're doing, which is fine. Uh, they're They're great at it. And... I'll see anything with Denzel. I'll say that. I mm-hmm. love Denzel. Uh, he's he's like Schwarzenegger to me. I really don't care if it's good or bad. I just want to see Denzel be Denzel and Schwarzenegger be Schwarzenegger. I mean, that's that's what I pay to see, not not to see a great movie. Uh, but The Equalizer. Uh, general thoughts for me, it was fine. Some stuff I didn't like, which we'll go into here in a little bit, but a perfectly acceptable movie, certainly not some of the worst stuff Denzel personally has done. Not a great movie, though. Mm. Um, just just okay at best. Uh, it, it feels like to me that Denzel gets a script and he says, will I play this character well, yes or no? 
If it's yes, he takes it. If it's if it's no, he doesn't. He never really thinks about is this a good movie? Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, he he just thinks can I personify this character uh, to the best of my personal ability? And in with all those movies we named, Two Guns, Safe House, Unstoppable, The Book of Eli, uh, those are all Denzel type mm-hmm. roles. I mean, you're right, Brian. Uh, there's really no one else I could think of that could do this role. The way he did it. A name that popped into my head is sort of interchangeable with Denzel at this point. Just sort of similar roles. And it's nothing against him. Very different people. I understand that. But Jason Statham. Yeah. Sort of the same same deal yep. uh, there. I think Jason Statham has more potential than he lets on as well. But he sort of sticks to his what he does. And that's, and that's fine. But yeah. Um, yeah. it's just sort of the same types of of movies and, and characters that they're playing. But Mm -hmm. that was just a, something that popped into my head when watching like this could have easily been Jason Statham is the equalizer, you know? And I totally agree. If you cut the budget by, by basically by Denzel's salary, then this is, this is a Jason Statham movie. Absolutely. Sure. So it was perfectly fine. we'll talk about plot here and here in a little bit, but just generally, I really enjoyed Denzel's character, his performance in this. Uh, but, I mean, that's that's not saying much because there's very few times I dislike him and what he what he chose to do with this. But really more of a nuanced character than I had anticipated. But it also went in directions where I was like, holy crap. Uh, Some of the action scenes were really, really well done, I think. And uh, I'm not sure what was going on mentally with this character, but we can discuss that here mm-hmm. in a second. But Richard, general thoughts on the Equalizer? I'm a Denzel fan too. It's it's weird that I I, I like and respect him so much as an actor, and like 80 percent of his movies I've seen on vacation mm-hmm. on a rainy day. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they're just those or on TV or something. But I still think of him as like one of the greats. There's a certain type of like persona based acting, which is acceptable and great. I mean, Clooney does that. Jimmy Stewart did that. And Denzel certainly does that. There's really nothing wrong with it. It's just, you know, taking a character and fitting it into an existing persona. And and if it's a very likable persona, which Denzel has, I don't really have a problem with it. You know, you're never going to see him uh, with the exception really of Hurricane, which he still was kind of Denzelian really envelop somebody else you know he's always just kind of okay okay you know that whole thing and he he uh he but he's inarguably great for some reason there's just something that smile man just the best smile in the, ever and uh he he can scare you and thrill you and all that with just the show of his face and like you guys were saying, sometimes it feels a bit of a waste when he does the taking of Pelham 123 or Two Guns or something like that. Not that those are even awful movies. He could be doing far worse movies. But because he is, we think of him as so, as so great and, and so talented, which he, which he is. Yeah, this, this, you know, this is a, at the end of the day, a September movie. You think like how, how great Denzel is. What, when's the last tentpole movie he was in? Yeah, um, I think American Gangster was a pretty big movie at the time, I think. Yeah. But The Book of Eli was kind of maybe his last big... And that was a January And that was a January... That, and that's what I'm saying. Like, Flight, when's the last Flight July? never really took off, no pun intended. Yeah. He, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that play... I, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but he's almost like the opposite of Will Smith where... 
I think we've talked about before how at some point in the late 90s or, I don't know, mid-90s, Will Smith sat down and figured out basically a formula for what makes the biggest movie in the world, and I'm just going to take those movies. That's all I'm going to do. His is – Denzel doesn't – you never see him in a franchise. You never see him in really in a true tentpole movie. He's only doing movies that are – Denzel Washington is, you know, or Denzel Washington you're right, you're right. in. It's never, uh, you know, Marvel's uh, The Avengers featuring Denzel. You know what I mean? Like he's he's not going to do that kind of movie. And I don't I don't know what. And some level I respect that, but on the the other level, it's a weird to to play off what you're saying, Richard. It's it's very odd in this day and age to be a true movie star the way he is without pulling off a. It's like he never has a movie. It's not. It's never really a blockbuster, but he never has a movie that doesn't open number one anymore. It's 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 an odd, it's an odd thing. It really is. This is something that's that like journalistic people should write something on because it's a there's there's got to be some kind of a a trend and and I'd love to know like what he puts into as far as like his contracts and things like that to make this happen because he's always in a movie that opens at the right time with him as the lead and it it makes bank. But it's never like a three hundred million dollar movie. It's it's an odd thing yeah, that yeah. he's got going. It's it's just before we move on from just Denzel talk. Uh, it's just funny. I remember the tagline to Safe House was "No one is safe." Well, it doesn't sound <laughs> yeah. very like yeah. a very good safe house. And uh, and the movie Unstoppable, uh, mm-hmm. pretty misleading title because the train is in fact stoppable. Uh, spoiler <laughs> alert! But just yeah. just sort of remembering those movies in the back of my mind. Uh, but to answer your question, Richard, biggest movie, biggest last movie he did, honestly, in 2000, Remember the Titans. Oh, Probably yeah, the biggest, huge. like, yeah. everyone saw that and was talking yeah. about Denzel as that coach and, and stuff. So uh, he had Inside Man, Man on Fire, American Gangster. Inside Man was a pretty big... Yeah, it was. Like, at least release date. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like, like still, okay. Remember the Titans, huge movie, right? Made yeah. a ton of money. It came out September 23rd. Right. So the studio wasn't counting on that to be a huge movie. Mm-hmm. If they thought it would be huge, they'd release it in July. And so, I mean, that's a, that's directed by Boz Yakin. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when's the last, like, it I don't purpose, know. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? Don't, I don't. No, I'm not asking you. I mean, yeah. you don't have all the answers. I'm just saying it's, it's an yeah. odd career. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he's one of the most bankable movie stars in Hollywood that no one gambles on a huge movie. <laughs> Not yeah. even gambles, because it wouldn't be a gamble. It would open huge. But Well, it's you know. because we know, as an audience, and a studio knows, exactly what Denzel can do. Okay, we're going to get a pretty good thriller or action-type movie. Okay, if it's a pretty good thriller, it's not It's not a middle-type-of-summer-type movie. Mm. Uh, it's not an Oscar-caliber film, unless it's sure. Flight, which got, I'm assuming got an October-November release, if I'm remembering right. Yeah, it's it's either you release it in March or September, and that's so that's all his movies get mm-hmm. that released, and they all get number one because there's nothing else out. So yeah. he knows exactly what he's doing, yeah. and I don't mm-hmm. blame him at all for it because I'm sure he's yeah. getting quite the paycheck from it, all these. It, it's interesting because the the parallels between him and Neeson are are significant, but I feel like Neeson kind of gets a lot of crap for doing those movies over and over and over again and we just kind of give Denzel a pass maybe it's the Oscar I I don't know what it is but they do the exact same thing but I think Denzel is a little more successful at it but we just kind of 
as a as a movie watching as the industry at least they just kind of like okay they just kind of give him a pass Denzel it's is interesting it's so awesome yeah that you you only have to say his first name yeah it's Denzel dude. like you name your kid Denzel they're gonna call him Denzel Washington the rest of his life no matter like <laughs> that's the kind of status he is he's just Denzel now it's not even yeah they need to put just Denzel on the movie posters from now on very few yeah. actors that are just a first name like that Absolutely. really cool. Yeah, but uh, let's talk in depth about this movie. Uh, this character, I just didn't Denzel's character. I just didn't know exactly what to make of it. I couldn't tell his motivation. Really, didn't know if he was just a peacemaker. If he was sort of undercover this whole time. Yeah. Um. What was what was your impression of who this character was in this in this movie? Ryan, start with you, I guess. We should say this is based off of a TV series, but I've yes. never I've never seen a single frame I, of said TV series. Well, so. you know I'm a completist, so I watched all four series <laughs> of the CBS original. Okay. The Equalizer. Yeah. <laughs> the only literally the only thing I know about the Equalizer is that it's mentioned in The Wolf of Wall Street, I think, mm-hmm. when uh, Rob Reiner You're right. Yeah, you're right. is uh is watching. Anyway, um man, I <sighs> It's an interesting – the character is – gosh, it's just so Denzel. It's so hard to talk about his character and not just say, well, it's just Denzel. But yeah, you're right. It's a – they try to make him a mysterious character. I don't know if that's necessarily what comes through so much as it's just – well, something's – you know, at some point you know you're going to find out what this guy's all about. And he's got some kind of – either it's a – Tom Hardy in the in the drop sort of thing where he used to be like a hardened gangster or he has some sort of uh agency background. It's it's got to be one, you know, spy background or something. It's got to be one of these two things. So, I don't know for you guys. I don't think I don't think the film did a particularly great job of making that a mystery element. Mystery so solved as, here. I yeah. it it is uh he plays a retired black ops government operative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we I knew got, I thought he was Secret Service, but I guess yeah. it's black ops. So yeah, we yeah. get that like at towards the end of the film, but yeah. I don't think they did a great job of. And maybe that's not the goal. I don't know. It, it didn't. It didn't put a lot of time and, and effort anyway into keeping that making that character a mystery so much as we just don't know. Does that make sense? Like, it's not a, I, I, I didn't find myself being like, Oh, I wonder what this guy's secret is. I just yeah. thought, well, we don't really know much about him. And that's maybe that's the point. The only thing I can think of is I, they are intending on this to be a series. Um, and so maybe they'll explain more. You'll find more about the character as, as it goes on. It's the only thing I can possibly think of. Yeah, it could be. The only thing that led me to that was, he shows up at a, a quite large mansion midway through the film, and we see Bill Pullman. And I was thinking to myself, there's no way Bill Pullman is playing the president again in something. <laughs> and then they show a giant American flag in his house like, no, this isn't happening. But I'm guessing it was his wife who uh, yeah. was his old boss. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm still not quite sure why Bill Pullman was involved in this, but good to see him. Keep getting He's them still checks, alive. Billy. Yeah, get, get, keep getting them checks. So, uh, so Denzel's character Robert Robert McCall meets Chloe Grace Moretz's character Terry uh, at a diner, and somehow, for some reason, decides to get involved in her situation. I'm just wondering about about the McCall character. Does he just go snooping around 
looking for people to murder. <laughs> you know, I just don't. Yeah. Is this something that just like digging at him? Like he's re- he's retired from this lifestyle. He's what? he he told his his deceased a widow or his deceased wife that he's going to leave this life behind. He promised her that, but is it just this itch that he has to just go murder people or to be a peacekeeper or equalizer? A lot of action coming into that Home Mart store too. (laughs) We'll get to that. We'll get to that. A bad gamble by him to to disappear there because there's a lot of action there. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But I just didn't... And by the way, we should mention this security guard guy. Uh, pretty awful security guard did not, yeah, not secure not, anything not so great at your job <laughs> not i also at like all. that he's got to quote get down to weight in one week like maybe make it a month yeah. guys or or <laughs> yeah. cast somebody who's There's not no... morbidly obese like uh... it's it's a, the weight limit is 250 pounds if you can get <laughs> under that you're in doesn't matter yeah. if you're five foot two 250 pounds <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, i thought that was funny i was just wondering what do you guys think about about that, why like why he chose to get involved in in Chloe Grace Moretz's situation of uh, obviously being in a sex uh, being a sex slave in the uh, human trafficking industry. Um, guessing he just felt compelled in his soul to do it. Didn't really know if yeah. he had prior past with these operatives, uh, these Russian operatives, or what, but. Um, he, he says at one point something to the effect of, I, I basically I stepped in because I could, you know, like I right, have the yeah. skill set to make this stop. And I, you know, there's got to be I actually like that aspect because it it did feel like a buildup. Like he was he was willing to put up with a certain amount of crap to keep from having to blow his cover and go back to the life that he clearly once lived and in which he killed many people. And appeared uh, to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. He was he was attempting to, to keep away from that sort of thing, but I guess there is just a, a threshold of okay, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put up with this stuff anymore. Which was an interesting character trait, I would guess, I would say. Why did he tell everybody that he was in Gladys Knight and the Pips? Did that ever come around at the end? No. Was there a Gladys Knight song playing in the third act, I think? Or Maybe. something over the hi fi? Remember when he hooked yeah. up the yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I just didn't. That wasn't. I just a great wrote that payoff. down. <laughs> I was like, if this doesn't come back around in the end somehow, yeah. most random tangent they could have gone on. What did you used to be? I used to be in the pips. Yeah, and then it, they just watch a video of the pips, and then the next scene happens. <laughs> like, what? why is? is I don't this know. is not a particularly strongly written or directed film. Not so. at all. Gotta, you gotta say that the guy who wrote it. By the way, going back to our conversation earlier, has written. Uh, two Jason Statham movies. So oh, there you go. Hundred <laughs> percent. They approached Statham, Statham with this. Yeah. Like, well, if we can't get Denzel, maybe we could get Statham. Right. You know. Yeah. And what do and, you think that list is for these kind of mediocre action movies? It starts with Denzel. Denzel's your best get because you know right. he's going to crush the opening. I think you're right with Statham. If they both say no, maybe where uh, do you go if you're a studio head. Chris Hemsworth. Well, I would say Liam. Liam. Yeah, I think yeah, Liam and Denzel would both be the top. Yeah, that's a good question. That's Who's at third? some point you just like, okay, we're just gonna make this a, a straight to DVD sort yeah. of sort well, of. Let's thing. get John Cena. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah that's a, that's a pretty good one. Yeah, but I don't <laughs> think you have to worry about that because Jason Statham says yes to every movie that comes his way. So that's not a that's probably not a concern. 
You're right. The director of this, Antoine Fuqua. Yeah, let's talk about him for brought a us such gems as as Training Day. Uh-huh. Uh, he brought us Tears of the Sun, mm-hmm. starring Bruce American Treasure, Bruce Willis. Oh. Uh, he brought us King Arthur uh-huh. in 2004. Uh, Shooter, starring yeah, Mark I Wahlberg about that. in 2007. Brooklyn's Finest in 2009. Richard Gere. And Olympus Has Fallen, 2013. Yeah. So. so so that's not great. And but Training Day is a great movie. Yeah. A great movie. And so and Shooter is is watchable. Shooter's a great TNT movie. Uh <laughs> you know, when you're bored on a Sunday afternoon or something. Shooter's Shooter's a fine film. But uh the rest of those movies and King Arthur kinda I guess falls into that category at the very edge. Uh, of what's acceptable, but he has not made a good movie yeah, since, say, since training day. So is if, it just that he caught lightning in a bottle or I think if fury is really good, then people are going to start associating mm-hmm. the success to the screenwriter. Right. That's Cause I think point. people really liked end of watch. Yeah. And though, and a very good point. Fury yeah. will be, you're a talking about David Ayer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if Fury's awesome. Then people are going to say, well, training day is because of a great script by David Ayer. I yeah. think. Yeah. That's a really good point. You're you're probably right. His next Antoine Fuqua's next film is Southpaw, which is in post production and stars Jake Gyllenhaal. And, it's about uh, as Randy Johnson. And, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and Rachel McAdams. Oh, time I'm, I'm guessing it's time about travel, a, Randy Johnson, a time traveling boxer. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Go, uh, yeah, it is he goes back boxer. and he fights boxer, famous yeah. boxers from the past. So mm. <laughs> fights Tyson and Ali in the same movie. I'm, I'm it's totally got 50 excited. Cent and Victor Ortiz in it. Oh, well, it'll be good. And Forrest Whitaker. 50 Cent plays 50 Cent, so oh. that'll be good. <laughs> oh, this was the movie that was supposed to be Eminem. Yeah. Ah, uh, right. okay. All right. Yeah, this was supposed to be Eminem for a long time. Well, I mean... Jake Gyllenhaal is almost as intimidating. <laughs> Similar upgradings, you know. When Rachel, get out of this. Jake Gyllenhaal, raised by director Stephen Gyllenhaal and screenwriter, and Eminem, raised in a trailer in Detroit. So <laughs> similar backgrounds. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Chloe Grace Moretz. Do we have in to? this movie? Yeah. Uh, just PSA, Chloe. I know you're an avid listener. Obviously, you haven't listened to our Carrie episode our kick-ass two episode uh but just psa you need you just need to stop she does it's it's been a good run uh hit girl was really fun in 2009 when you were 12 years old and swinging a switchblade uh that's pretty much the only reason people uh saw her out in the first place that was a really cute role uh alongside nicholas cage but ever since then just just stop there's no point I bought a lot of Chloe Grace Moretz stock after her three-episode arc on 30 Rock. Yeah, she was great on 30 Rock. Great on 30 Rock. Great, Very great. good in uh, in Hugo. Yes. Uh, but it's like she just stopped learning the craft at that point. Like she's and just, just like only does really crass parts. Yeah, and, and, not, and in bad movies. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, y'all are forgetting about her role in Dark Shadows. No, oh, so. I will never forget that because that was <laughs> – that was oh i saw that movie did we podcast that no no no, i never saw it that was podcast i don't remember why you saw it but we talked about it Lindsay and i my wife and i went to see it in the theater and we both were just staring at each other like what what have we done to deserve this it's It's so bad it's it doesn't even get played on cable no 
No. It's bad. The face paint looked pretty good, though. But but to, she's not good in this at all. I mean, it, it, I, I was thrilled that she's only in the movie for the first five yes. or six minutes. That was the best part of it was that – yeah, that I, w- I was scared she'd be in it the entire time. Oh, they she's get, bad. They, they get in and out uh, pretty quick on that, and which is you yeah, just yeah. sub her out for Abigail Breslin. Honestly, yeah. or dude, anyone else? Breslin is way more talented than uh, than Moretz. She's got chops. Moretz just—it's not a kid actor that's going to age very well. I just don't think she knows how to act. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. That just and this just confirmed it. I thought. The scene where she first meets uh, or befriends Denzel's character is just really bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, I don't know why her lip was quivering randomly in it. She just didn't play it correctly, I don't think. I agree. I, don't I, think totally it, agree. I think if that was just any other decent actress, that would have been a very powerful scene. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't get over it. And isn't she like 16? She's this, 17 now, I think. Yeah, isn't this inappropriate to be yeah. well? This to is have what she does every every movie she's in. She's doing something shady and 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 sexual. Honestly, yeah. I mean that's it's it makes it's it's very especially in Hugo. I mean, I just didn't see <laughs> yeah. that one coming at all. Really, <laughs> yeah. kind of inappropriate. The, the director's cut. So. Yeah, <laughs> and then in yeah. 3D too. I mean, I was shocked. But, <laughs> no, but, I mean, she just needs to. Do something completely different or just completely stop yeah, for a she while. She needs to disappear for three or four years and then come back in indie work. That's yeah, that's exactly where she needs to put her time. Well, you know who got... was good was uh was the bad guy, Martin Saskis, I think yes. is, is the yeah. way he was uh by far the most compelling character in, in the movie for me. Like I, I was I could have used more of him in the movie. And I always liked that guy and he he's generally in this type of of role where he doesn't really get much opportunity to uh, to expand upon what he's you know what he's known for at this point, but uh, he was good in, in in the limited scenes he had. Chloe uh, Chloe Grace Moretz's next film is a Gillian Flynn adaptation, like Gone Girl, uh-huh. co-starring Nicholas Holt, Charlize Theron, and Christina Hendricks. It's a lot of women that's in that like that's just a lot of tall giant yep. beautiful women um, i mean she gets these good projects i mean cory stoll so he'll definitely die oh yeah cory <laughs> stoll is in so much stuff coming <sighs> out cory stoll he's so good he's he so just great doesn't get to work so at maybe all. maybe that'll be good maybe i don't know well, but last year if if we were we were talking about carrie and we said well her next movie is a denzel thriller we'd be like oh that, that could be pretty good well no she's in it so <laughs> she's not good you know it's like yeah how much we can't give her the benefit of the doubt until she does something that's worth giving that to well, her i saw if i stay and did a podcast on it by myself we know <laughs> and i loved it refused to post it uh, <laughs> i listened to it i was pretty offended at the way you talked about her she's 17 richard it's okay <laughs> but uh not for the public's ears uh unfortunately but no i mean she's she just needs to stop this could have been somebody else it was distracting to me, honestly, that she was involved in this. Uh, so let's talk about some of the action scenes. The the first real action scene we get with Denzel is was really cool, where he he offers, I guess, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz's Terry's uh, captors ten thousand dollars for her rights and for her to be let go out of the uh, out of the slave trade. So. Really, really cool the way it reminded me of Sherlock, the the series. I mean, that's an easy comparison probably, but 
I don't know. I guess he's a government agent, so he was trained in telekinesis. <laughs> you know, I don't. I, I guess his focus was his ultimate. Uh, he's really good at using a stopwatch in this movie for reasons that are kind of unknown, uh, as far as I'm concerned, at least. But I thought the action scenes were shot particularly well, and uh, and it, it had enough of that to make this movie passable slash watchable to me. Enough anticipation for some cool action sequences for it to be uh, passable for me up until the third act, which is a little bit ludicrous, but uh, what, what are, what was your biggest like of this movie, Brian? Uh, I, I'm going to tell you this, my, in my theater, there was a five-year-old just sitting by himself, just, you know, hanging out in a super R rated movie. So that really, I, I could not get into any of the action sequences because all I kept thinking was, well, that kid's scarred for life because he just saw Denzel Washington jab a corkscrew through this dude's mouth. Like I, <laughs> I, it really uh, hindered my my movie watching experience. Uh, but you're right; the first action sequence was pretty decent and uh, was was shot well. The 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 close scene, the battle or whatnot was was probably shot very well. But I'm going to say this: it drives me nuts in a movie when. Characters have access and who who clearly know how to use them, especially have access to guns and and instead decide that I'm going to use all the tools that I can find in a Home Depot. Like that's that drives me insane. Like he kills two dudes. He's got their machine guns and their pistols. And instead of just using and they have silencers and stuff like instead of using these very efficient killing machines, he's like dropping barbed wire around their throat and shooting them with nail guns and stuff like that. That was, I couldn't get over despite it's well shot, but it, it seemed, uh, almost horror movie esque on like, this is stupid on the stupid spectrum because I I get, it just felt like shock value, you know, rather than he, it's, it's, it's brutal enough that this dude's about to light up some guys inside of what amounts to a home Depot. But, we can't just stop there. We've we've got to have him basically torturing them to death, which is I don't know. It's not my yeah. not my cup of tea. So there's that that was also hard for me to to get over. Uh, just from a a logistical like a logic standpoint, like just use the guns. It's, it's way it's, more efficient. It's hilarious. I was thinking, MacGruber is the exact thing that it's spoofing. Are these yeah. movies? Yes, exactly. I just couldn't stop thinking about that in the yes. in the final act. Yes. Uh, I don't these stupid gadgets I use all the time. Yeah. Uh, Richard, what were your likes of the movie? <sighs> I did. I, I did. I think Fuquan knows how on a basic level to shoot a movie. I think it's, it's, you, you see sparks of, of t- someone that should be directing action movies. Um, so I, I, I don't have a problem with him. Like I do a lot of people. He, he's not, uh, He's not, uh, oh gosh, now the now you see me guy, Louis Lettier, where it's just like nonsense and and, and yeah. yeah, insane. You're you're not just rolling your eyes consistently. Like it, it it's a professionally made movie, and I like that. Uh, I like seeing Bill Pullman, and uh, <laughs> I kind of like the idea that it was going to be a, a a franchise, but it's so hard to launch like such an R-rated franchise. I I don't know why they made this so dark and violent. I think it would have worked a lot better as a PG-13 movie. And I'm, I'm not a, a prude that hates R-rated movies by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I 
didn't see it's just from like a business standpoint it's just yes. like why why not make this the the violence didn't add anything to it totally agree there's and, no statement and, made with it and the language and things were not necessary so yeah. why not go make an extra 20 million dollars is my thing i totally agree with you when i thought it was just going to be a one off then i was like okay that's just you know you make that choice and that's fine but it's it's a genuinely bad decision decision to go with a hard r on a franchise like it doesn't yeah, that's its I think there's, even I th- like die hard is pg-13 these days you know like yeah. you can't sell uh r-rated franchises i think if you do it um efficiently i think there's a market for those types of films we've seen it the past two years with the raid franchise you can do hard violence suspenseful um but those movies didn't heist make type money. stuff they they make enough i think the raid it, it's if it was an American, they're thinking about remaking it with the Hemsworth brothers for America. Like there is a, there has become a genre for like extremely gory thrillers. Uh, I know that sounds weird, but it, I think it it has happened. I mean, honestly, that's what got me through the movie was holy crap! What is this guy gonna do? Mm-hmm. Like this guy is insane. Denzel's character is. I just didn't know how far. He was going to take it, and I think the R rating sort of led my anticipation because I just didn't know how far he was going to go. He goes extremely far, by the way. Uh, some memorable action scenes. Uh, also, when he's in the diner and the car sort of pulls up in between him and the guy that comes in the diner to off him. Uh, really, yeah, that was cool. really fun suspense uh, there. Well shot. Also, the house break-in scene where they break into his house while he's home. Uh, pretty cool stuff. The the scene, and we're in spoilers now, by the way. So spoilers, uh, upcoming for the Equalizer. The scene where he traps the guy in his own car and and, and handcuffs him to the steering wheel and is sort of playing uh, chicken with him. Uh, I think that was pretty intimidating for that character as well. I just thought the movie was going to end at the end where he finds the plans. He blows up the ship. And he's just walking away from a blown up ship, and that's. I thought that the movie was going to end on that. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> what a way to end! It's just like I find the ship and blow it up. <laughs> yeah. The end. Now come see the next one. <laughs> but the third act just goes straight Skyfall slash Home Alone two. Uh, if y'all want to talk about that a little bit, uh, the third act. You you alluded to it a little bit, Brian. Um, what was what was it about it that you didn't like? It, it just. I, I, it's like the the uh, Walker Texas Ranger syndrome. Like, if you ever watch Walker Texas Ranger, yeah. he goes out of his way not to shoot anybody, and instead just puts himself in harm's way and kicks people in the <laughs> face. And you know that works for Walker Texas Ranger because it's a Sunday night CBS show, so that's fine. But in a in a really, this guy is a tr- clearly is a highly trained uh, killer. And he has access to guns, and he's like, mm, nah, I'm going to lance this guy with some sort of yard instrument. Like, those <laughs> things, and, and even the final, we said spoilers, the final sequence, he has a gun, but he chooses not to use it and instead shoots the dude with the nail gun eight or ten times. It's just, it seems like, things like that, it takes, it goes to a point where it's like, okay, this is, this is being, I don't have a problem with violence in movies, but I do feel like, 
at some point you get to a point where it's like, hey, this is just being overly ridiculously violent for the sake of being overly ridiculously violent. And that's – I'm not going to say that's a that's – a, like I don't have any necessarily a moral issue with that so much as it's not something that I care for. And it seems like a poor decision on the part of a character that up to that point had been making pretty smart decisions and was a pretty ruthless, efficient killer. And then he's like, nah, let's just mess around with right. these guys. It, yeah. It's just an odd – on both fronts is an odd choice to me. Yeah, Richard, what do you think about that end? The uh, uh, the assault in the home mart, I should say. Well, I mean, we should all a big round of applause for me. I, I did stay uh, until the end. Wow, nice. So, first thought, I'm a hero. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm a total sucker for for uh, the aforementioned Home Alone, Skyfall. Yeah, uh, booby trap. I love booby traps, um, just a great deal. So when it started going down that road, I, I, you know, I kind of scooted off my seat a little bit and was kind of fired up for it. Uh, and and it honestly delivered fine for me on that. Like I didn't really mind it uh, because I wasn't super invested in it. And at this point, this was kind of a theme park of a movie, so it's like let's just see some. Mm clever little thing so uh i you know it, as embarrassing as it is to admit uh, to admit this as, as someone who uh at least semi-professionally reviews uh films my that was probably my favorite part of the, <laughs> of the movie <laughs> was the last act uh yeah. just purely viscerally uh for yeah. me but uh that's not saying it's good or intelligent or remotely plausible feasible otherables but uh it it was in, it certainly was enjoyable so uh for me at least let me just say this before we wrap up and give grades here. If the goal of this film was to make Denzel come off like a complete and utter badass, mission <laughs> uh, accomplished. Yeah. yeah. Because he comes off as Denzel being just like – I remember when I left this, I was like, man, Denzel's awesome. Why doesn't he do decent uh, movies anymore? I mean this is decent, but why doesn't he do great movies mm-hmm. anymore? Uh, I'm just hoping he does – something worthwhile and and it could be a thriller i just wanted it to have a little more significance than than his past sure. work but man denzel kills it in this literally uh he's just cold-blooded a lot of the times and a pretty decent uh plot line to go along with it just very atypical uh ex-government op guy going after mean russians i mean it's straight out of Die Hard. It's you just, were right. It's yeah. good to have the Russians back. Yeah, we had like a fifteen-year yep. period. And we then, tried to be friends with them. I didn't know the uh, the sex slave to politicians was a multi-billion-dollar industry too. And they break into the warehouse, and it's just yeah. mm-hmm. stat a warehouse of of dollar bills. That was they're a little about ridiculous. to uh, IPO too. You can you know, <laughs> oh good. Yeah, Thanks you're about for, to be able to invest in that ring. Thanks for the heads up good. on that. I appreciate yeah. it. Let's give grades here. I'm going to give The Equalizer a B minus minus. It's yeah. close to a B minus to me. It gets a pass. I mean, like I said, this would be a great rent, uh, a great Friday night rent if you have nothing else to do. Pop a couple beers and watch Denzel just destroy guys with a corkscrew. Um, <laughs> pretty, pretty entertaining stuff, I will admit. But uh, not a great movie. Uh, didn't leave me... Wanting more from this franchise, I, I'm assuming we'll get another one since it was, since it was number one, its weekend. So look out for the Equalizer Part Two or whatever they decide to call it. But it gets a almost a B minus for me, a B minus minus. Brian, 
Uh, I'm kind of in line with you. I'm going to give it a C plus. It, it, I had some tonal issues with it, and I just I just feel like it needed a better. The plot was there, but it's just not flushed out the way that it needs to be. So, uh, Denzel, you're great. Do do something that matters for once. C C plus for me, Richard. Yeah, uh, for what it is, I would give this like a B plus. But in context, other movies. To be fair to other movies, this is a C plus for me. So pretty uh, C, uh, C pretty plus. right on. Pretty along the same lines mm-hmm. with, yeah. with this. So this coming weekend. We have David Fincher's Gone Girl, mm. and followed by Interstellar in a few weeks, oh, and gosh. we're really getting into Oscar-type season here. It's official. So from now on, uh, count on some some decent films we'll be talking about, uh, not just the the scum of September, which has been the past few weeks. So excited about this weekend, excited about Oscar season, and uh, good things good things lie ahead. So let's move on and let's hit a quick weekly recommend. Weekly recommends. I'm going to recommend something that we sort of mentioned earlier in the show, or that y'all mentioned. I have finally started my my journey through Thirty Rock. Oh! And I want to officially uh, go on the record and recommend Thirty Rock to the listener. Uh, never, I, I had seen episodes off and on. Um, you know, a couple dozen or so episodes, but it never started from the beginning and given it the full go. Uh, like a lot of shows that I have done that with, like Arrested Development and The Office, uh, both of which we have episodes for in our archive, so go look for those. But really, really funny show, man. I just, oh. I'm really impressed with it. Um, I, I love Tina Fey when she's doing her own thing. Yeah. Um, Alec Baldwin is just, so American Treasure, Alec Baldwin. It's not even funny, and I just really miss Tracy Morgan. I mean, he's greatness uh, mm. in Thirty Rock. But uh, really impressed with it, like I said. And um, it only gets better. It only gets better. Yeah. I'm only on season two right now. Oh, so, yeah, dude. dude. Yeah, it's I'm looking so strong. Gosh. Yeah, it's greatness, and uh, and it's up there for me. I mean, I've got a lot of sitcoms on my favorite shows of all time list: mm. Seinfeld. Uh, the Office, of course. I Love Lucy's up there for me too. But this is this is well along those lines. It's becoming one of my favorite shows. I, I love Jane Krakowski too. Yes, she's she such a delight. I mean, she's she so just makes me happy. Show. I don't know why. It, you, but you will very rarely, if ever, see a show that packs as many jokes into yeah. a 22 minute episode as 30 Rock. Like Arrested Development is really fast with the jokes, and I think 30 Rock kind of puts it to shame. And it's legit jokes front. too. It's not yes. just awkward silence like The Office is at sometimes. Yes, you know, it's yeah, it, they, they are jokes that you could repeat to somebody. Yes, they are telling yeah. jokes. Every single second of that show, pretty much. It's oh, it's, it's so after good. six. What am I, a farmer? Greatest <laughs> That's line. during the uh, Conan episode. Yeah, yeah. Oh, greatest line it. in the history of television, right there. I am a stabbing robot. I am a stabbing robot. It's greatness. Tracy, get well soon, man. Yeah, Tracy Morgan. Yeah, is is great. But so, guys, uh, Brian and, and Richard, check back with me in the, in the coming weeks and, and yeah. just see how my journey is, is going. But Harry Potter next. Harry Potter will be coming soon, and we need to do a, an episode on that. But yeah. uh, I'm well on my way in 30 Rock and excited to finish. So yeah. that's my recommend, 30 Jokes. Rock. It's on Netflix, uh, by the way, I should mention. Yes. So we'll any listener that hasn't seen or wants to go refresh, the whole series is on Netflix. So Richard, what's your recommend? 
Yeah, this is one that uh, I got into watching. Uh, the the girlfriend watches it, and uh, and I I've I've gotten into it and really like it. It's uh it's a show on the Sci Fi Network, so it's a little it's out of my base. Um, <laughs> but it's a show called Face Off. Are you familiar with Face Off? Yeah, yeah. I actually yeah. um I conversed or or interviewed two of the um, contestants on there at at one of the Comic Cons last year for the show. I never have po- I haven't posted it yet, but I do have an interview with them. Uh, they were nice people, and it was a really cool show. Um, but Brian, go ahead. Are, Brian, are you familiar with it? No, I had to Google it to see what it it's was. It's a 13-episode show uh, remake of the Nicolas Cage, John Travolta film. <laughs> Just stretched John, out. But Cage plays both parts this time because yeah. he got paid double. Yeah, and it held paid for his castle in Berlin. <laughs> um, no, it's a, it's a, it's basically uh, you know a very common – uh, reality show structure. Project One Runway uses this structure. There's a lot of shows, you know, where we assign you a thing, you go work on it for 50 minutes. At the end, you all come with said thing, and then we grade you, and then the worst grade leaves. But this is uh, creature design. It's it's makeup and and basically monster design uh, for that. It's just an incredibly artistic thing to make uh, these models into uh, basically Pan's Labyrinth characters um, over the course of like two or three days to do it. Um, and it's just, uh, I think good television and it's really interesting what these people come up with. Some of them are absolutely terrible. Um, and some are really blow you away and you could see in, 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 you know, a very big budgeted in movie. And as I think we all agree, we love creature design. We prefer to CGI. It's fun seeing, uh, real life creatures in, in films. And so this is kind of a, a behind the scenes, uh, look at that. I think it's just a fun little, you know, hour show. Uh, if you're into the whole uh, competitive reality type thing, which I think we all are from time to time, when you when you don't really want to think your way through a, a drama or comedy or something like that. So uh, I recommend Face Off. It's on the Sci Fi Network. I think it's like season three or four or something like that. Yeah. But uh, uh, check it out. There's also a show, Richard. I don't know that I watched. I don't know if it's still on the air, but I should have let you know about uh, if I'd known you were into those types of shows. And I know you're into this particular subject, but they did one called Jim Henson's Creature Shop Challenge. Yeah, we watched that one. Did you too. see that one? That one was yeah. basically building Muppets and stuff. Uh, <laughs> did you uh, Did you ever watch Wizard Wars? No. Wizard Wars is the same type thing. Yeah. Wizard how, Wars. How is Richard the nerdiest person on this podcast <laughs> all of a sudden? Yeah, I know. It's sad. Um <laughs> I have a lot of time on my hands lately. Yeah. Wizard Wars is uh is great. It's uh gr- <laughs> I can't even <laughs> I can't even talk on a straight face because I'm just beating the crap out of myself in my brain right now. <laughs> the normal part of me. It's uh two ma- pairs of magicians that it's like you ever watch Chopped Kent where they like give yeah, you random. Yeah. yeah. It's basically chopped for magic, and they give you like a rope, um, you know, a dog a chair and like a glass head and you have an hour to think of an illusion out of it. Weird. Wow. And then at the end you compete and then Penn and Teller are the judges. Hosted like by Teller. Mark Ruffalo? No, but it's, it's <laughs> no, actually No, but pretty... he, he comes in at the end. <laughs> you know, I'm not like the world... I mean, I like magic fine. I'm not the biggest magic guy, but like, uh, it's pretty cool The just kind of the inventiveness from an engineering sign. They kind of have to Mac- MacGyver these different objects and create 
they create pretty cool illusions out of a lot of them. They're pretty talented people, and they're all like sleight of hand people and stuff like that. But it's if you ever catch that one, Ken, I recommend it. So uh, the listeners as well, watch Face Off first. Uh, but if you if you find yourself on a sci fi binge, check out Wizard Wars as well. Sweet. I Brian. will now retire to write fan fiction about <laughs> Brian. Babylon try to 5. give a uh, give a more nerdy recommend than that. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know that that's possible. I gave you Battlestar Galactica like three yeah, weeks you ago. Did. So. Uh, speaking of which, that's pretty much all I've watched for the last three weeks. But so I, I have nothing uh, new to offer. But I did see that uh, Parks and Recreation season six has just landed on Netflix, mm-hmm. and I don't think I've ever recommended that before. And I, it's my favorite show on TV, and I so hope that people will watch it. It's it's got one final season. It won't start until like January, so you have plenty of opportunity to catch up on it. I think people were turned off by it early on because the first the first season is not very good, but it's only six episodes long and it very quickly finds its stride and kind of breaks away from the office to where it's not just a female centric office, which is and, I think kind of what was happening early. Fairness, and they found the first their characters. Six Seinfelds aren't very good either. Yeah. And yeah, then totally. it turned into the greatest sitcom ever. And, so people the office give is it. the same way. Yeah. Um, but people I, I tried to preach this one to anybody and I've gotten like most of my friends on board now. So now I've got to take it to the, to the public as it were. Uh, it, it really is. The last season was probably not the funniest season that they've ever done, but by the time it, it, it's very much like the office in that you've gotten to a point where you love the character so much that you can handle that. It's not a joke a minute the way it was earlier on in, in the sitcom. You're, you're more invested in the, uh, in the characters, but seasons, the end of season two through, man, somewhere in season five, are that really was the funniest show on TV at that time. I think, uh, and 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 maybe the best as far as as far as sitcoms go uh, on character development. Ron Swanson, we might end up having to make him an American treasure. Just not 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 Nick Offerman. I mean, actually, Ron Swanson. He's he's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Chris Pratt is so good, and and then you know Amy Poehler has gotten like four uh golden globe and emmy nominations for it and and deserves to win one she's so good on the show so uh all of the all the episodes are now on netflix so you could totally binge through it and be ready in time for uh for the last season to premiere at some point mid-season january or february something like that uh it is thoroughly worth your time i'm a huge and this has been established uh aziz fan yeah and and uh, Aubrey Plaza too. I really enjoy, and they're like fifth fifth build on this yeah, show. So it's, it's a one lot of, of those talent. shows. It's one of those shows that you could say you could get ten people in a room who all watch the show and say, "Give me your, you know, who's who's your favorite character on the show," and you're going to get five or six or or eight different answers because yeah. they're so Adam they're Scott too, so really well like. developed. Yeah, and it and the show is really good. I think better than than almost any sitcom like it at highlighting each of their characters for like a, a given period of time yeah. and making that Amy Poehler and, and Le- Leslie Nope is always the central focus of the show. But the secondary character kind of shifts. Aziz is the reason I started watching the show because I love Aziz uh, and his comedy bits. And there are times when he is by far the best presence on the whole show. And then there's times where you don't even notice that he's in an episode because there's so much other funny stuff that's, that's going on. It's a great show. I'm I'm gonna have to start that one after Thirty Rock. So yeah, I, I've seen like more episodes of that than I have Thirty Rock. Mm. But uh, I need to start from the beginning and give it the whole go. 
Yeah, there's no chance, Kent, that you won't love it. Like, I, oh, I know. I, would, I already do like it. I've seen yeah. probably a season's worth already. I really mm-hmm. like it. But uh, okay, great recommend, guys. Uh, Richard, Brian, as always, good to talk to you this week. And there Brian, if I was a listener and I wanted to find you on the internet, where would I do that? You can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 and you can find my writing at CanBabiesDrinkRedBull.com. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Richard Barden, or you can find me on the Thought Catalog. Kent, where might I find you? Find me on the Twitter at Kent Garrison, and find all of us on our show on our website at MadAboutMoviesPodcast.com. I will remind the listener that uh, only our most recent 100 episodes appear on iTunes. So if you want stuff that even goes back further than uh, what appears on iTunes, just hit up our website and uh, and scroll all the way back. We have all of our episodes archived on there. If you would like to contact the show, contact us via the website as well. And if you like what we do, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And on that note, guys, until next time, we will see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Goodbye. You smart. You played no part. You just thought what you thought. Yeah. And I remember.